The Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 11. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks you then, ask for a fish, will you give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of the Lord. After more than 45 years as a pastor, as I think about all the prayers I've heard and even my own prayer life, I can't help but wonder if the soda or pop machine isn't our primary teacher when it comes to prayer. Now think about it. When we want a can or a bottle of pop, we put in the correct change, we make our selection, and we get what we want. In our prayer life, we offer God the coins of our wants and needs. We tell God what we want, and we expect to get what we ask for. And all that works fine until it doesn't. Pop machines are great until they take your money and they give you a mellow yellow instead of a Diet Coke. <laughs> or worse yet, when they give you nothing. I've noticed some interesting responses when people put their money in a pop machine and come up empty. Some people get very mad. They first of all push the button again and again. Or they try to get their money back, checking the coin return. When that doesn't work, they kick the machine. And it's not so different with prayer. Some people get angry when their prayers aren't answered. Some feel hurt or betrayed. Some lose faith. Now, they can't literally hit or kick God, but they blame God for not healing Grandma, for not making their marriage work. And they sometimes even leave the church in protest. I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me, why was my prayer answered? 
Why did I receive exactly what I asked for? Now, sometimes we do ask and we do receive. We search and we find. We knock and the door opens. But that's never what people want to talk to a pastor about. They want to know why they asked but did not receive. Why they searched but didn't find. Why they knocked but the door never opened. I think if we're honest, we all have to admit that those same, we've, we've all had those same questions at one time or another, haven't we? Now, I don't know why some prayers seem to be answered and other prayers seem to go unanswered. I don't have any explanations, but I've heard some really bad ones. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't have enough faith. You must be asking for the wrong thing. Everything happens for a reason. You know, I can't believe or accept any of that. That's nothing but an attempt to encourage a pop machine approach to prayer. It's just wrong. And it hurts people and perverts who God is and how God acts. When I hear that kind of explanation for unanswered prayer, I can't help but remember another man praying on a Thursday night. He prayed with words and sweat and blood. Please, 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 Father, remove this cup from me. And they crucified him the following afternoon. Ask, search, knock. I don't understand how prayer works, but I do know this. It's not about the coins. It's not a mechanical process. It's not the transmission of information to God even. I believe that God knows what we're asking for even before we ask it. In the midst of not knowing or understanding, maybe the most and the best we can do is to echo the disciples' request, Lord, Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus' response is not an explanation of how prayer is or how it works. He doesn't offer a formula or magic words. He doesn't give the correct change for the pop machine. Instead, Jesus teaches about God and who God is. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Do not bring us to the time of trial. Now Luke's version is a little bit different from the one we've memorized and the one that we pray every Sunday from Matthew's gospel. But the key points are all there. Jesus is giving his disciples and us a model for a balanced prayer. I think back to my own prayer life. Nobody taught me how to pray. Well, I think maybe I ought to take that back. Actually, it's not a totally true statement. I learned to pray by watching others pray. 
First, it was my parents and my grandparents at mealtime. As a little kid, I observed them praying. They always prayed the Come Lord Jesus prayer before each meal. And when we were finished eating, they recited the psalm verse, We'll give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Later on, when the kids were older and started heading off in all directions as soon as the meal was finished, sometimes even before the meal was finished, the psalm verse got added to the prayer before the meal. I guess as a surrender to that faster pace of life. Well, that reminds me of the frazzled woman who gathered all of her company around for dinner at the table and almost as an afterthought, she said to her six-year-old daughter, Lizzie, why don't you say grace tonight? And Lizzie replied, Mommy, I don't know what to say. Her mother patiently responded, Well, just say what you heard Mommy say, sweetie. <laughs> so Lizzie bowed her, hair and bowed her head and prayed, Dear Lord, why in hell did I invite all these people for dinner? <laughs> well, that's sure not a good model for teaching kids to pray. But little kids are very observant, aren't they? We pray as we've seen others pray. So what better person to observe than Jesus? In his model prayer, he points us to our Father, or even Daddy or Dad. That's probably a more accurate translation. God is a heavenly parent who wants to meet our needs and who wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus says, approach God like a child approaching a loving parent. And then he says, pray something like this. Dad, we honor you on earth more than anything. Please come to rule our lives every day we have on this earth. Help us not to worry about the future. We ask only that you meet our needs for today. Forgive our sins, just as we promise to forgive every last one who has done us wrong. And please, God, don't test our faith too much, because you know we're weak and we're going to fail. That, I think, is the essence of the model prayer that we've given the title Lord's Prayer. It points us to a relationship with a God who should be loved and honored. A God who cares, a God who provides, a God who forgives, and a God who saves. Martin Luther, in his explanation to the introduction of this prayer, gives us some of the most beautiful words in the small catechism. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? By these words, God would tenderly encourage us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children so that we may ask him confidently with all assurance as dear children ask their dear father. But Jesus doesn't stop with his model prayer, at least as Luke records his prayer teaching. He continues with a story about perseverance. In verse five he says, suppose you wake up a friend in the middle of the night to borrow a little food for unexpected guests. Your friend tells you, you know it's late, go away. Go away before you wake up the whole house and the kids are sleeping. But you keep knocking until someone finally helps you. 
if not out of friendship, then at least out of desperation to get rid of you. I'm quite sure that Jesus is not saying that God will answer our prayers just to get rid of us. But I believe what Jesus is saying is that if a ticked-off friend can come through for you, how much more will a loving God who knows what's best for you? So when it comes to your prayer life, the point is simple. Keep asking. Keep asking. Jesus even gives a little acronym here, A-S-K. A-S-K, which stands for Ask, Search, and Knock. Keep asking God. Don't assume that heavenly silence means no. Until you hear otherwise, keep asking God. Stay persistent. I know someone from way back in my ministry who kept asking that her loved one would be free of addiction. It took literally decades before it came to be, but it did happen. Don't give up. Jesus emphasizes when we pray, we need to remember that we are God's beloved children. And all that stuff about a fish versus a snake or an egg versus a scorpion is only meant to teach us that as an earthly parent wants to give only good gifts to their children, God wants even more to give us what's best for us. Which is not always what we ask for, by the way. We need to remember that the act of praying is the act of entering into a conversation. It's the opening up of yourself and seeking a relationship. Anyone can read or say the words of a prayer. But if your heart and soul aren't in the words, then they're merely words. But, you went, but when you back your words with a willing spirit and an eagerness to hear God's response, then you're truly approaching the throne of God through prayer. As John Bunyan once said, When thou prayest, rather let thy heart be without words, and thy words be without heart. So prayer is more than just sitting with head bowed and hands folded. Prayer is more than talking to God. An honest, heartfelt prayer is talking with God. Prayer is meant to connect us to our Creator. Praying is making yourself vulnerable, opening yourself up to your Creator. Prayer is a conversation within the relationship that you have with God. Someone has suggested this little exercise. I read about this a while back. I've tried it. It works. It does work. Take 10 seconds to begin talking to God in prayer. And then pause for 10 seconds before you begin talking again. And repeat that process over and over and over again. And by the second or third or fourth pause, you're going to begin to hear God speaking to you in your mind. It works. <coughs> Unfortunately for many Christians, most of our prayer life is a one-sided conversation. We're telling God what we want and need, pop machine style. We need to be asking ourselves, how much time do we give God to respond to us? <clears throat> I 
I guess what I'm suggesting here is that we take time to listen. You know, if I'm out to coffee or lunch with a friend, and if I'm, only the, if I'm the only one doing the talking, I can't really call it a relationship, can I? So if prayer, as Jesus teaches it, is really about relationship and presence, then there's only one answer to every prayer, and that answer is God. I don't just mean that God answers our prayer, but that God is the answer. God's presence, God's life, love, beauty, generosity, compassion, <clears throat> forgiveness, wisdom, mercy, justice. God gives God's self as an answer to every prayer. And Jesus tells us that. If you then, he says in verse 13, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God. And so God is the best gift of all. God knows that his children can't live life on their own. We have to have help. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so God gives us the Holy Spirit, free for the asking. God gives God's self to us, Free for the asking. As baptized Christians, we're promised that God's Spirit is in us <clears throat> all the time. And as we got, ask God for that Spirit to lead us, God fills us with the Spirit so that we're able to do God's will and truly live as God's children. That's why we should pray, first and foremost, for God's Spirit and for God to be with us as we seek to follow Jesus. I believe that while God can and sometimes does change circumstances, I'm increasingly convinced that God more often than not changes us. God's self-giving sustains, nourishes, strengthens, empowers, emboldens, and enables us to face the circumstances of life. And we do so sometimes with joy and gratitude, other times with pain and loss, but always with God. On my better days, I know this, and I know that it's enough. And on those other days, it's, Lord, teach me to pray. Amen.